Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to The O Show, episode 220, presented by Believe Podcast Network, the number one sports podcast network for professionals based in the city of Los Angeles. We're talking Undertaker, The Undertaker, Last Ride, 50-50 Booking Reunion, Barkley, Bigelow, Truax, in the house. Oh <laughs> I forgot about that. That was a long time ago. I don't think you've heard yeah, the uh, Barkley uh, Bigelow since like last summer. Honestly, it was a simpler yeah, yeah. time back then when Shane McMahon was the best in the world. Oh my gosh! The, in the grand scheme of things, those were good times. Honestly, compared looking back to, at it, 2019 was a great year. 2019 was an awesome year compared to what is going on right now. Oh, my gosh. I would do anything in the world right now to see Shane McMahon pin Roman Reigns in front of 50,000 people. Did that happen? Yeah, remember? That was like 10 years ago, the way things have been going. I think I tried to that out of my memory. Oh, my gosh. That happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He did. He also pinned The Miz in front of 50,000 people? Yeah, yeah, I do remember that, yeah. And now he hasn't been on TV in almost a year. I'm shocked that they haven't pulled him out of uh, Vince's bag of tricks for these pandemic shows in front of no audience. I mean, if they're going to bring Ric Flair back, like a 72-year-old man who's probably at the heist of getting COVID, like the most vulnerable, and they're putting him out on TV every week, they may as well bring Shane back. We can talk all day about about the, the bad ways that WWE has handled the past uh, three months of of just everything, but but yeah, no, they <laughs> player being on the shows, uh, it's pretty, that's pretty worrying. Not a good look on uh, on WWE. I could have sworn I, I could have sworn I read an article last week or two weeks ago when everything broke out, like Renee Young got it and uh, uh, Kayla yeah. Braxton got it. That's when everybody's like, oh, you can't have Ric Flair on TV anymore. The guy's seventy two, but he's still on TV. Nobody's wearing masks. Yeah, Vince yeah. really hasn't done anything. Well, the, the fans started, the fans, air quotes, uh, started. The NXT masks. jobbers. Yeah, those those guys we haven't seen yet. <laughs> <laughs> like the, the, some of like the four horsewomen are, are in the crowd sometimes. I think I saw Marina Shafir on, uh, on Raw last night, but. Uh, I see Ricochet's girlfriend all the time. She's out there. Oh, yeah. Uh, Casey. Kenzara, yeah. I believe. Really hasn't quite yeah. caught her break yet, but she's out there getting some TV time. Yeah, yeah, there were some, there were some weird stories going on with her about her contract, but nonetheless. Nonetheless, still here. I mean, seriously, like I think it was two weeks ago that Vince McMahon was forced to like almost shut down production. He's just like, oh, I guess we're just going to have to start wearing masks. Everybody back to work. Well, it came out that he didn't test anyone for three months, yeah. and like that's just ridiculous like you're running in florida which right now is the the epicenter of the entire pandemic uh in the united states and and no one was getting tested it just it doesn't make any sense but at least they're starting to progress in the, the situation i mean you look at the way ufc is handling things and you look at the way wwe is handling things and you gotta think like they're both entrepreneurs. Even, They're both billionaires. Why, why is one being so much more productive when it comes to this stuff than the other? Exactly. I mean, it, it's it's just inexcusable. You can't you just can't do that type of stuff. You gotta test your athletes. You gotta make sure that the fans are wearing masks. Because those fans, they're they're going through enough anyway. They have to stand for eight hours at a time. Back to back to back rods being taped, like it's that's that is like horrible enough to watch three rods in a row, to like (laughs) three rods in a row with a crowd. I can barely stand. Can only imagine how these guys feel. (laughs) I don't know if I could watch three rods in a row. Like you would have to like like take the time like out of your schedule to watch nine hours worth of wrestling. I mean, just but think of it, just think of it right movie. now. Like right now, it doesn't seem that weird because we've been in the middle of the pandemic now for almost five months. But when this first started, like those first few episodes of Raw and SmackDown, when they were uh, 
in the performance center with no crowd whatsoever and and Brock Lesnar and Paul Heyman are given a promo and Heyman's like all intense Lesnar's just staring into the camera it's like there's no fans here why are you this intense this this is just weird like Brock's got to feel so awkward right now just staring into the camera knowing nobody's there and like Edge gave it like one of his best promo of his promos of his career mm-hmm. and nobody was there to see it like it was just an empty arena no fake noise I think the only time they brought in the fake noise was for the Edge Orton uh, greatest wrestling match ever match mm-hmm. which was a great yeah, match that, it was not the greatest match ever but nonetheless that, that was a really good match they they outdid themselves uh, way better than anyone thought it would be yeah I mean, with that expectation, I mean, why, 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 why was it billed as the greatest wrestling match ever? Well, as Randy Orton put it, it's the greatest rib ever. There's <laughs> no way that they were going to have the greatest match ever. Like it's, an, it was impossible. You know, I'll give, I'll give them credit. They had an amazing match. Edge got had a horrible tricep injury, and finished it. It's still great. I gave it, I'll give it five stars. That's very generous of you during this pandemic. Absolutely. All right, so let's talk about this last ride documentary because it came out, I want to say, two months ago. I think in May was the first one that was released. Uh, Five-part series, The Undertaker's Last Ride, obviously culminates in him, I guess, announcing his retirement, basically, after his match with AJ Styles at WrestleMania 36 in that Boneyard match, which honestly, like, at this point in his career and in his life, that's like the perfect match to go out on. It was one of the greatest matches. It was like heavily touted, great reviews against one of the greatest wrestlers of all time in AJ Styles and obviously The Undertaker in his own right. But from the beginning, I guess it all started. I, I guess he had camera uh, camera crew uh, following him around for like five years as all of this was getting done because we all thought it was over after Roman Reigns beat him at WrestleMania 33 and then obviously uh, four years later he's still going because he can't find that perfect match to go out on like uh, Shawn Michaels did. Yeah, exactly. That was that was what uh, I think uh, I'm paraphrasing what One Undertaker said after the WrestleMania 33 match with Roman. It you know that was him saying goodbye. He folded his clothes, put the hat, which, first off, he finished a match, put all of his gear back on. That was awkward. Just to, just to take it off. Like, Again. We, of course, like, watching it, the fans didn't see it, but, like, in in the in the arena, fans must have been like, what, what is he doing? But, but it, it's a great moment. Uh. And then walking away with the fist up, you know, we thought that was it. And uh, he just, you know, nobody really thought it was a great match. And it definitely wasn't a match for Undertaker to go out on. And he couldn't, he could not find that, that one match that he felt good about going out on. Like you think of the Goldberg match, uh, like (laughs) That was that was horrible. You could see on on his face after he pinned Goldberg how angry he was with his performance and what had happened that day. And you know, eventually, eventually got there. And when you saw him riding off on the motorcycle through the trail at the end, uh, that that was, that's the perfect goodbye. I mean, it sounds like the perfect goodbye. We'll see if it is the actual goodbye. I'm still not convinced he's gone. Like if. if if he misses WrestleMania 37 and 38, then I'll be convinced that he's gone. Because he took two years in a row off. We didn't see him at 35. That's fair. We didn't see him at 35, but at the same time, he was backstage at 35 thinking, like, man, I should be on this card. Like, that, that itch was still there. But to go back to the first one, the, I, it was basically all about uh, his final, or what was supposed to be his final match with Roman at WrestleMania 33, like we talked about. Terrible match. I don't think any aspect of it was... Undertaker-like, especially the end where he couldn't even perform a tombstone and Roman Reigns... Or I guess Roman tried to reverse into a tombstone of his own and Undertaker's weight just gave out on him and it was just really awkward for everybody. Like, he he went back and watched it with his wife, Michelle McCool, and I guess they had camera people in his house while he was watching it, which is kind of weird. But, uh, he's watching and he's just like, oh, man, like, I can't go out on this match. And I think it was, like... A few months before WrestleMania 34, when he decided that he wanted to come back for another match, and he got into like nearly the best shape of his life to fight John Cena. 
Yeah, uh, fight John Cena for a whole two minutes. Which sucked. Um, I mean, he looked great, but, like, two minutes worth for that entire build-up, a match that everybody's wanted to see for decades, like, that was not worth it. Yeah, no, definitely not worth it. It's very interesting how they set that up with Cena in the crowd, calling him out for months, not seeing him at all, and then coming out only at WrestleMania, chokeslam, pin, uh, and get out of there. And wasn't it a few months later, uh, the first time that they went to Saudi, he wrestled Rusev in a casket match? Awful. Awful. I mean, they didn't really dive too deep into that match. But, like, he, again, it was kind of like a squash. He looked dominant. I remember at one point, like, Rusev and Lana got in trouble, so he was off the match for, like, all of about five days, and they put in Jericho, and we were going to see Taker versus Jericho in a casket match. Yeah. Which would have been amazing, given that point Jericho had just fought Omega, and we would have gotten to see mm-hmm. uh, uh, a newly reinvented Chris Jericho versus who was, like, in the beginning stages of, like, his AEW run. Uh, before, obviously, that all culminated with The Undertaker in a casket match in front of 50,000 people. I thought that would have been awesome. And then they put it back on Rusev for whatever reason. I still don't know why they did that. I would have loved to see that match. Was was Jericho? He was in, like, the, the greatest Royal Rumble on that show. Yeah, he, 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 he was back. the 50th entrant, and that was his last WWE appearance, I think, at the she, Saudi like, Arabia. Uh, what what a opportunity that they missed. Like, sure, they don't want to, like, job Chris out. But, like, at the same time, like, Chris Jericho can lose to anybody. And no one would think of him differently. Well, here's the thing. I think the thing that Jericho, and I think he said this in multiple interviews, was that uh, Vince changed his mind. And I guess Vince's reason was that, like, oh, Rusev was wrongly accused of saying something bad on social media or whatever. But in Jericho's mind... He just had that huge Wrestle Kingdom match with Omega. He was going back to New Japan to face uh, Naito a few months later. And I don't think Vince McMahon wanted to promote a guy who was wrestling in the rival companies, you know? Especially a big star like Chris Jericho. So regardless if he was going to be putting Undertaker over or not, I don't think he wanted to give Chris Jericho the publicity of being like a mega multi-company star. That's fair, but it would have been awesome. I know. I definitely, I still look back at that, like at the graphic when they first announced it. I'm like, this is going to be huge. And then it was gone within like three days. What could have been? But yeah, they they never really delved too much into that match with Rusev. It was just kind of like, yeah, I did another show at Saudi Arabia. Still felt great. And then what did he do after his next match after that? It wasn't Cena, was it? Or no, that was after Cena. No, because Cena was before the Rusev match. So the Undertaker looked great in the in the Rusev match, like moving around wise. Yeah. And that that was the takeaway from that match that because that Undertaker versus Rusev was never gonna be his send off final match. Could you imagine? Like you know that one felt good. Rusev, like that's ridiculous. So Yeah, but could you imagine like he was just like, yeah, that one felt good. Like I have nothing left in the tank. (laughs) <laughs> because he said uh, that he that's, said it's just not right he said that that uh he was done after the tag team match with roman at extreme rules against shane mcmahon and drew mcintyre like he thought that was going to be his final match see and that wasn't that wouldn't have been right either no because he he had been he had been doing a, a few tag team matches like he did one in madison square garden uh where he i think he teamed with roman singles match and at this point it needs to be in some type of cinematic something because that AJ Styles match was so good like I need to see more from The Undertaker in those type of situations maybe with Bray Wyatt like what he did with John Cena was one of the my favorite things that I've seen in years in WWE and we've we've talked about that a few times like that was a match where like you had to know who the characters were you had to understand Mm -hmm. the storylines in order to enjoy it because a lot of average wrestling fans would look at that and be like what the hell was that for like the undertaker to be in a match with bray wyatt like that though it would be interesting but at the same time with this at this point in his career he's already said he's technically done but we'll see if he did come back for another match I feel like he'd want to do it against someone, again, someone he could trust in the ring, someone who he's never been in the ring with, where we've seen him face Bray Wyatt multiple times. No, I, yeah, he's, he's fought him multiple times, but just never in, in those situations. Capacity, I mean, especially yeah. with, the, with The Fiend. Like, I mean, 
to one spooky character to another, like, I think that could be magic. And I guess he's using all three of those characters now. He's using the, the, the Eater of Worlds, he's using the Firefly Funhouse, and then he's using the Fiend. And think of the way, like, uh, how they went through John Cena's career with the Dr. Thugonomics uh, to the, whatever he is now, to the prototype, you know. Do that with The Undertaker. Go back to his his WCW days. Meet Mark Callis. Have him dress up like that. Then, you know, the original Undertaker with the makeup all under his eyes. And Biker Taker, the, the Undertaker that you and I grew up seeing. Yeah. Uh, the Dead Man. Like, seeing, like, the evolution of that, like, in a match with Bray Wyatt. That could be really cool and something that, like, we could talk about for years. I feel like the biggest takeaway from this entire documentary is something that you kind of just mentioned there. Like, if he were to face Bray Wyatt in that type of match, bring back all the old characters, sides of Taker we've never seen before. Like, this entire documentary was basically showing more Mark Calloway than The Undertaker. Like, for the first time in his career, he broke kayfabe, essentially. Like, I know he did it a few years back when he did, like, signings and stuff, and he created a social media page, and now he's doing, like, these all-in challenges with Gary Vee, and it's like, oh, this is, like, my childhood is dead. Like, The Undertaker broke kayfabe. But, like, that's basically what this entire thing was about, because he wanted to, I guess, for the final time, evolve, in a sense, right? I mean, it makes sense. Like, it's kind of coming full circle. Uh, Like, he's been... He's been the sole like survivor of kayfabe for however many years like always different because even in like old interviews he's still in character and like the first time i heard him like actually talk out of character was when he did the stone cold uh the the broken skull ranch show or whatever it's called on the network like that that like blew me away i was like He's a normal guy. It doesn't make sense. You're He's wearing like a Texas Longhorns hat, just like a total just Yeah, like, like how how dare you? You are the Undertaker. You are not Mark. What is this? <laughs> like he was the last one that didn't break kayfabe. Like even Kane became the mayor of Knoxville. You know, like that was like the last. When Kane was running for mayor, he uh, Undertaker came to help him in character. Like, The Undertaker was help, helping promote Glenn Jacobs. It wasn't Mark Calloway. It was The Undertaker. <laughs> That's so bizarre. When Kane ever wants to intimidate people, he just puts on the mask and, like, breathes fire. Oh, you think that's what he does in, in some, like, pretty, like, heavy like, political debates going on in meetings? Just, all right, anyone who does not agree with me just raises his hand, yeah. throws it down, and just... Fire comes out of the corners of the table. He definitely carries the mask with him, I think. Especially now with COVID. Like, he definitely uses that as a joke. Like, this is my mask. That's, like, you're, you wear a face mask. I have, like, the big red mask with the black hair. <laughs> the black hair going down. <laughs> and that's so, that would be so intimidating to see, like, in a suit. God. Like, oh, gosh. <laughs> it's proper king. That, I think that was probably the worst match of his uh, comeback. The It was the Brothers of Destruction versus DX at in uh, Saudi Arabia. I think that was like the, the third or the fourth episode. Um, I want to say it was in the same episode as yeah. the Goldberg one where Undertaker... It was like Undertaker and Triple H, I think, both tried to throw each other into the barricade, but they both were like in the same... Um, like the same, like the same position to throw each other into the barricade, and they both just like were like, "All right, fuck it, we're both gonna go in." And it was yeah, just like it was yeah. so awkward to the point where like, "Oh man, like this is bad." Just like four fifty-five year old men, just they don't know how to do it anymore. Shawn Michaels ripped uh, Kane's mask off when he was on the top rope. Oh my gosh! Yeah, and his instant was... reaction was like, "Oh shit, that wasn't supposed to happen." Well, I'm like... He just, like, casually put it back on because, like, everyone knows Kane, but it's, I mean, it is what it is. Definitely not the match because, you know, Shawn Michaels was that one guy who everyone was like, oh, he's never coming back. He, he said he was done. He finished with, like, the, that Undertaker match was perfect. And while a, a DX versus Brothers of Destruction on paper looks good, it's, it didn't really, it, it didn't turn out good at all. I mean... You said, like, Sean potentially could have ruined his legacy. Uh, Triple H tore his peck. I don't, I don't know if you saw those pictures. Those were horrible. I mean, 
Kane's mask fell off. Undertaker, once again, didn't feel right about ending on that match. No, all four people had something bad come out of that match. <laughs> and I think the biggest thing I took away from that part of the documentary was that, like, usually at the end of all these Undertaker matches, he didn't like any of them, but, like, everybody's clapping. Vince is there greeting him with a hug. Everybody's clapping. Mm-hmm. The entire locker room's there. After that match in Saudi Arabia, there was, like, nobody greeting them backstage. They were just like, well, this was a shit show. It's very, it's very odd how they've been trying to, how they had been trying to, to book him throughout the years, ever since he kind of slowed down. I guess yeah. is the right way to say it. Just putting him in all these like weird situations, odd, odd matches. That I mean, Undertaker versus Rusev didn't make sense. Uh, DX and and the Brothers of Destruction were just that was just kind of oh we have to have the old guys come back for the big show. And I guess that was in Australia. It was like the super showdown. And then Taker Goldberg was just, oh, it's a dream match. You've never seen it before. Let's do it. Like, uh, I don't know. But when when you think about how they booked, uh, like, the AJ Taker thing, they, they took a few months out and he got it real personal. And we, we started to see a, a side of of Undertaker that we'd only started to get seen seen in this documentary, you know? Or I guess it hadn't even came out at that point. I feel like right. the documentary came out like six months ago. But uh feels that way. Like he I, I remember he did like the the promo with the with the headband and the and he was biker taker again and this was personal. He's talking about his wife and his family. That that was how you needed to book Undertaker. And in these cinematic matches, it, it's it was perfect. Everything was, and I would see four or five more of them if I could. Would you think that it would have been bait, uh, uh, Biker Taker versus Styles if it was in front of sixty thousand people in Tampa Bay if the pandemic never happened, or do you think it would have been the Dead Man? Like that would have changed everything. Definitely. Definitely, like uh, if because I, th- I even think they said it in the documentary. Like this w- wasn't proposed to them until there weren't any fans. Like, yeah. Well, we don't want Undertaker to just shit the bed in front of nobody. Like, let's 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 think of something here. Yeah. And I mean, I I think it would have been decent anyway because AJ Styles is that good, and I mean. Undertaker knows what he's doing. He just maybe can't do it anymore. Uh, it would have been, it wouldn't have been as fondly remembered as it is now. No, and and plus they had like that short, very short five second match in Saudi Arabia when Taker won the uh, the cup, right? Oh yeah. You always look back at that. That was the dead man. He won the cup. Even though he didn't even take off his hat or jacket. No. <laughs> Because why do that? Why waste your time doing that if it's, you're only going to be in the ring for five seconds? See, was that a, was that like a like a elimination match? Was I think it was. A, I think for I th- like a really long time before that. Yeah, I think it was a gauntlet match. I want to mm-hmm. say, okay. yeah, it was kind of like whoever won kept going, in a sense. And then I guess he was supposed to face Rey Mysterio, but the club beat him up, and then Taker beat up the club, and then he came yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, I guess that was his big last accomplishment. He won the cup in Saudi Arabia. I don't even know what it was. Like, what was that cup? Uh, it, it was it, it was like the name of a Saudi Arabian yeah. city, I think. So very monumental. Something, the something cup. Yeah. Yeah. It, <laughs> just a gimmick. No, but to go back to the Taker, I think it was Triple H at the uh, Super Showdown in Australia. That one wasn't a bad match. They didn't go too deep into that match either. They only went deep into the matches that he didn't like. But if he really wanted to, I know he lost, which I guess is the way most wrestlers go out anyways. That was a great final match between Triple H and Undertaker. You see, I I can't remember too many... What will really happen in that match? Now that I think about it, because they didn't go into that match yet at all. No, like maybe for a second. Yeah, I remember Triple H winning, uh, but they they just kind of like dropped it after that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I agree with you. Like when you look back at his monumental matches, especially against Triple H, Hell in a Cell with Shawn Michaels as the referee, like you remember moments from that match, you know. 
the the sweet shin music into the pedigree, uh, him choke slamming Charles Robinson oh gosh, straight the, to hell. The streak was over. I thought, dude, I, I remember, yeah, I remember watching that, uh, we had to be like 13, 14 years old when that happened, if not older, mm-hmm. what was that, 2012, eight years ago, okay, so yeah, 14 years old, and I'm like, it's over, like, they're finally gonna do it, and when he kicked out, I'm like, alright, so it's not ending this year, gotta wait two more years, man. I didn't think it was gonna ever end, like, honestly, what if it didn't, like, no how one would have cared. How would he still be like perceived? You know, would you think that like he would have to perform at every mania? <laughs> would that be his only like, <laughs> thing instead of like doing these like Saudi Arabian shows or one-offs with whoever at oh if he deal? if he never lost to Lesnar at WrestleMania 30, he only would have shown up at WrestleManias. You think so? Yeah, he wouldn't have done all this other stuff. Because I don't think he would have had the energy to. I mean, he was dead to rights after WrestleMania 30. He, he didn't even remember the match happening. That's how, like, concussed yeah. he was. That, that situation's crazy. I think that was the first episode, right? Yeah. They went into that. Like, Vince leaving WrestleMania is just something that is unheard of, you know? That that just is insane. I mean, it really dived deep into the the bond between Vince McMahon and Undertaker. Like he definitely treated treats him like a brother, but at the same time, he's still a business. Like you could still t- uh, tell it sometimes he's still like a vicious businessman. Just like, oh, you got one more match left, and yeah, you could do it. Timing was there. Like you're good to go. Like trying to convince him to come back for one more match and all that stuff. How do you think those conversations go? Like when you think like Vince calls. Undertaker and he's like, "Hey, uh, you got one more in you? I, I got a got a plan. How do how do you think that those go? You think Undertaker calls him like, hey, 'Hey, I'm, I'm ready.' I feel like in the beginning, sure. like WrestleMania 30, WrestleMania 31, it was Vince calling him. But like after 33, after he finally like retired, put all of his stuff. Like even after that match with Roman Reigns and he put down his hat, he put down his jacket and he came through and everybody was congratulating him. Vince came in and he's just like, how's the knee feeling? Like, uh, all right, just get get the surgery and uh, you'll call me next week. Like, dude, the guy literally just like basically, he didn't announce it, but he basically did the stuff that you do when you retire. And Vince McMahon's just like, so uh, call me next week. We'll, we'll, we'll start discussing more plans. Ruthless businessman. He always needs that ruthless aggression. Aggression. Who do you think should have ended the streak if if it did end? I don't. I, still to this day, I don't think Brock Lesnar should have been the guy to end the streak. Like Vince McMahon's big claim is that like there was nobody else there. Like sure there was. John Cena would have been a better choice than Brock Lesnar. I like I like Undertaker's explanation of why it was Brock because he he said like look at him now like he's untouched. I don't. I don't know if you could say that out of four, but I, he the way he he explained it made me just be like, maybe Brock was the guy to do that. But if not, uh, let's see. That was twenty fourteen. Yeah. WrestleMania thirty. I mean, it would it would have to have been like a heel, but like a great heel. Because you think about people who are hot around that time, like it wouldn't have made sense for Daniel Bryan to do it because no. he was chasing the world title. And that was like a um, legitimate argument. Like he he should have faced Undertaker that year if he wasn't in a world title match. It's like I don't know. That would have killed his momentum because you can't you can't just have someone who caught lightning in a bottle for the last six months uh, tarnish a legacy that was built in twenty years. You know. You expect people to chant yes at the top of their lungs as their childhood has been destroyed in front of them, that's just not what was going to happen. Like, I think, like, the way it happened was perfect. Like, the ref counts to three. He says, ring the bell. The bell doesn't ring. The music doesn't happen. They cut to the guy with the glasses that is just, everyone's everyone's blown away. And no one could believe what just happened. Nothing, and the silence after makes you think, was that a mistake? Like, the was, was he supposed to kick out there? Did the ref, like, count three? Like, what? No one knew what happened. And I, those, that's just one of those moments that I go back every few months to, to check out and be like, 
wow, I can't believe that still happened. So maybe he's drafted the right guy for it. You ever, you ever hear, a, I think it was Chad Patton, the referee, you ever hear his story on that? I, I guess he didn't even know that Brock was going over until like halfway through the match. Yeah. Like Vince, like uh, he has the earpiece and Vince was in his ear like, yeah, Brock's going over. And even when he counted to like two and a half, he was just like, oh, come on, kick out, kick out. Because he didn't want to like make a mistake and be like, oh shit, the streak's over because of me. Oh, it- and the streak was over, like, on him, and it wasn't scripted that way. Like, oh, my gosh. Like, that man is dead. Like, people will hunt, would have, like, hunted him down. Oh, yeah. That, that, that's still real to me, damn it. Like, that's that's not just Vince McMahon firing him. That's, like, the Steve Bartman with the Cubs treatment. Like, he, people would be throwing beers at him left and right. He, he couldn't referee ever again. It would be like Hugh Hefner, dude. Or uh, uh, what's his face? The 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 referee when for the, Smith. Yeah. When J.R. Smith wouldn't pass the pass it to LeBron. In the <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Final. Exactly. Oh, I don't know. Like it didn't have to end that year, though. You know, like if Brock wasn't the guy, and like to your point right there, like yeah, maybe he was the right guy because after that he went on a tear, right? But at the same time, when Brock first came back, yeah, he put over Cena in that Extreme Rules match, but like he was like dangerously. Uh, good. Like he broke Triple H's arm. He broke Shawn Michaels' arm. He broke Triple H's arm again. <laughs> he did break Triple's, Triple H's arm a lot. Twice. Uh, I don't know. Like I think WrestleMania 33 against Roman, it wouldn't have been the the hottest thing in the building that night. But oh, like Roman ended the streak like as he was in like 2017. Like, oh my gosh, nuclear heat. They had, would have had to have turned him heel. Maybe Roman as a heel was would have been the right guy. Like that's some, that would have been something. Bray Wyatt as the Fiend, if they did that a few years earlier? Yeah, a few years earlier. But like when it when it ended, like Taker was just like a shell walking around. Yeah. Like he's he's in such better shape now than he was then. And like I don't know, maybe if he was in this that type of shape then. Maybe things could have been different. Shane Maybe McMahon at WrestleMania thing. 32. Oh, in the hell in a cell. A part of, a part of me gone. thought Shane was winning that match. Like, at that point, he was like 22-1 at WrestleMania. I'm like, Shane might go over to like take over the company here in the storyline that it was. Like, if he won, he would have taken over WWE. I'm like, that ends the authority. That kind of creates like a new life for WWE programming, and Undertaker's already lost to WrestleMania. Like this could happen in like a screwy finish, if someone interferes, like if Sting interfe- interfered or something. See, if it was if it was 2019, Shane McMahon, he was going over in a question. But 2016, <laughs> Shane McMahon, he wasn't he wasn't the greatest wrestler in the world yet. That was his first he, match he back. Training. Yeah, I mean that, that match was pretty memorable for what it was. I mean. That that elbow drop was pretty pretty insane. I mean, that was the yeah. only thing memorable about that match. But yes, <laughs> Shane knew that too. He's like, we need to do this, and Vince is like, why? It's like, trust me, this match is gonna have to have some pizzazz, a little cha cha cha. You know what I mean? Yeah. In that match, if if Shane won, he would get control of Raw, and then like the next night, he, he got, got it anyway. Control of Raw anyway. <laughs> like, ugh. I hate wrestling. <laughs> I hate storytelling. <laughs> uh, well, damn it, let's see what you got. <laughs> Such good shit. <laughs> uh, that was the other thing about Bray Wyatt's uh, match with John Cena there. Like, he, he basically shit on Vince McMahon during that whole storyline. At least, like, the Firefly Funhouse stuff. Like, the Vince McMahon puppet? Yeah. All of those characters are amazing because, like, there's such a deeper meaning behind them, but they're so innocent on the surface. Yeah. Like, it, it's really intriguing. But then the Vince McMahon one is so, like, blatant and, uh, like, it's literally Vince McMahon. I don't know what his name is. It's, like, what, what is the name of that doll? I think, it, I think it's just Boss. Like, he just says, hey, Boss. It's just Boss? Oh. Like, I'm pretty and sure every time he enters, he's like, hey, boss. Sometimes. Yeah. I love the Firefly Funhouse. They need to do more with with that on, on SmackDown. Do you think uh, do you think um, Bray would gets the, gets the belt on Sunday? A little preview into the horror show at Extreme Rules. Why are they calling it that? I originally thought it was going to be some, like, there was going to be, like, a horror match with, with Bray and Braun, but 
it's like a swamp match. I'm sure it'll still be spooky. Um, but as long as Otis is there with the briefcase, that's all I want. Like, because I bet you forgot he had the briefcase. I, I forgot. I, I forgot Vince McMahon still had like tabs on him. Like, for everybody who who has said uh, this has been the worst year ever, 2020 has been the worst year in history. This has been the best year in history for Otis, dude. Otis is thriving. He, he is thriving in COVID right now. Money in the bank, Mandy Rose. Like regardless, like it, it might be storyline. He still gets to like kiss her all the time and and like hang out with her. They, all the go, time. they make out in their segments. Like it's. <laughs> I wonder if Vince is right there the entire time, like right next to Otis while it's happening. Really get in there. He probably loves it. Really get in there. Oh my god. <laughs> Yeah, no, I could definitely see Vince doing something like that. I think I think it was but, Eric Bischoff that said when he had that Halloween segment with Stephanie McMahon and he made out with her that Vince was like right there, like telling him to be like, oh yeah, re- really, really let that puppy shine, like, like really, really get in there. <laughs> it's like how how do you re- how do you get turned on by like the boss's daughter when the boss is like telling you to like get down on his daughter? Well, he wanted uh, <laughs> he Vince wanted the the incest angle with Stephanie. Have you ever heard that story? Oh yeah, dude. I, it, even I think yeah. Shane McMahon had an interview two years ago. Even he said he's like, "Yeah, my sister's pretty hot." I'm like, uh, "It's just like <laughs> stuff had, you don't say." When Steph said she wouldn't do it with Vince, she he was like, "What about Shane?" Do it with Shane? <laughs> <laughs> what is wrong with this man? <laughs> How do they still have a healthy relationship? <laughs> Maybe they don't. <laughs> Who knows? It's all on the surface. Strictly business. Uh, but in all seriousness, I don't know. I think if yeah, if Roman ended the streak at WrestleMania to go back on the Undertaker, it definitely would have been bad news for Roman Reigns. But like he should have been the guy to do it. I think if not him, Shawn Michaels at twenty six or twenty five. Yeah, no, I actually completely agree with that. Uh, I mean, those 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 Michaels matches were so good and so perfect. Like. Like, they'll hold up 50 years from now. Oh, yeah. Um, like, like no one can forget, like, <laughs> when Taker dove onto, uh, was it was it the camera guy? Right. Deuce was playing the camera guy. Yeah. yeah didn't catch him, right? Almost broke his neck. Like, that, those those moments, that's, that's something you won't forget. Because it's just replayed over and over, that dive. And, and you know, that would have been perfect, but... At the same time, he, he he he's still going. That was tw- that was ten years ago. WrestleMania twenty five. Like he still he still had like two two or three like good years left going. Oh yeah, for sure. I think that entire sequence is what people are going to remember. Not only the streak, but Undertaker's overall legacy were those four matches against Michaels mm-hmm. and Triple H from twenty five to twenty eight. Like the first two with with Sean and. and and Taker, like, the twenty, the WrestleMania 25 match, like, one of the best matches ever. And and then uh, you go in a, was it, was the Hel- Hell in a Cell, was that 26 or 27? That was or 28. Was Hell in a Cell. 28, 28 was, yeah, that was the final. Okay, so, well, because at, uh, at 28, when, when Michaels was the, was the referee, like, you said it earlier, the super kick into the pedigree. I thought the streak was over. You probably thought the streak was oh, over. Yeah. Everyone, everyone watching thought the streak was over. And kick, that kick out is the biggest power move in WWE history. I mean, that would have been the thing to end it on, too, when you look back at it. Like, that was the perfect ending to a match in, like, a four-year culmination if they were able to do that together finally. Because Shawn Michaels, like, that was the thing that, quote-unquote, ended his career was the fact that mm-hmm. he couldn't end the streak. I guess, like, his big thing was like two super kicks at 25, two super kicks at 26. Triple H actually hit trip uh, hit Undertaker with the Tombstone himself at 27, which thought people maybe that's it cuz he hit him with like six pedigrees before that. But that 28 moment like that was it. Like back-to-back fin- finishers in a span of like 3 seconds. Like there's no way he kicks out of that. And he did. I think he kicked out of like two pedigrees after that too. He's a he's a dead man. He's he's ridiculous. He's a, he's a superhero. He's a different human being. He really is a superhero when you think about it. Like, yeah. 
like I was never I was never big into like like Marvel or DC as a kid. Still, like never even seen any of those movies. But like for me as a kid, The Undertaker that was the he was the superhero. Him, you know, Rey Mysterio. Those were the guys that that we saw. Like those weren't people. Those weren't normal people. And to see him now, like see Taker now, is just it's so weird. Because he's, he's, he's done away with kayfabe. He's human. Dude, he does interviews, like, all the time. He's been on The Ringer. He's been on Barstool Sports. He's on Fox. Like I saw the bar, Barstool Sports once. <laughs> like, I mean, we could probably DM him right now on Instagram, see if he responds. <laughs> Have him on the pod. Be like, yeah, sure, it's only $25,000 for an appearance. Gosh, we can make it work. What's the budget? <laughs> <laughs> could you imagine? He's just like, yeah, sure. That would be... Amazing! Like that. I don't, how could you get bigger, uh, a bigger wrestling interview than the Undertaker? I mean, that is the mecca of. Well, Vince McMahon, I think, would be the mecca of all pro wrestling interviews. I don't think he does any. No, that would be impossible. Like, like the, the only time, like at least in the last like decade, the only times I've ever seen him be interviewed were a. Like, especially in the Tinker Doc, he was in a lot. But before that, maybe some WWE, like, docu-series. Like, I know he did there, He maybe. did the Stone Cold podcast, I think, mm-hmm. once. Like, that, that was... A, that was, like, four years ago. That was rare. Triple H would be a big one. Like, in order, it'd probably go Vince, Taker, Triple H, probably. And then past that, you gotta go to, like, legends like Shawn Michaels, Bret Hart. Old The Rock. That's a, that's a pretty, that's I don't think he's ever done a podcast. If I really like, he's obviously done tons of press interviews, but I don't think he's actually mm-hmm. sat down and done a podcast before. Yeah, I don't think I've ever seen him on any, at least on like a wrestling platform. No, he's never been on After the Bell with Corey Graves, so that would be that's that something would be to look great. out for. You ever see John Cena on After the Bell? Yeah, he was on there. Uh, that, was, that was a good one. That's a good podcast. Uh, he, Corey Graves is pretty well. The um, the New Day has a good podcast too. The the WWE like podcasting network thing they're they're trying out. I think it's coming along pretty nice. I'd the like, new uh, The New Day's podcast like, is amazing. I'll just say maybe, that. I'd like a like a Renee Young podcast. Yeah, apparently she's under some heat right now for announcing that she had COVID. So how dare her? You know. Soon enough, soon enough she'll be an AEW. <laughs> I hope I so. She'll be I she'll be so. doing backstage or commentary or something. And yeah, no, that is an interesting situation. Her like when she announced that she has COVID because that that screwed AEW's plans all the way up with John Moxley versus Brian Cage. But they did the right thing though. Down. Like Vince, yeah, like if no, Vince did really. that, he would have he would have kept it under under the rug. Like she still like if that was yeah. Dean Ambrose in WWE. Right before a big match, he probably wouldn't have confirmed anything. Like, AEW did the right thing by just assuming, oh, they live together. This probably shouldn't happen for the safety of our wrestlers. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, even though, like, when he tested negative, like, that for Vince probably would have been like, oh, you're negative. Come on and wrestle. But, and, like, that's that's pretty that's pretty cool for AEW to, to, like, let their world champion miss out on a title match and, like, push it, postpone it. I guess a week forward, so that's cool. AEW is pretty stacked this week, so. Uh, Orange Cassidy really making headways, dude. We talked about this before we came on. Almost beat Jericho. Almost beat La Champion. That was that was so good. Uh, I think Meltzer gave it like four and a quarter stars. He it was a good, it was a really good match, and uh, even that uh, that eight man tag. Uh, that was pretty awesome when they did the like the Canadian destroyer like from inside the ring to the outside on top of everybody like that was insane. Like, so much great wrestling happening like around the world right now. It's it's it's, it's going well. I mean, I you have it. to you have to show out with no crowd. I mean, what it's fight for the fall in their next pay per view, but I guess they're doing it on Wednesdays, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's just like a. Like a tagline this year, I guess, instead of like a special event. Yeah, but there's some good matches like the Elite, uh, Kenny and the Bucks will wrestle Jurassic Express. Uh, 
Cody and Sonny Kiss. That's interesting, to say the least. Uh, yeah, just stuff like that. And uh, and speaking of, uh, well, you said wrestling with no fans. Wrestling with fans. New Japan Pro Wrestling ran the uh, Osaka Joe Hall. And uh, yeah. they, they had fans. They had thousands of fans. Uh, I think they sat like every other seat, but they witnessed some, some pretty crazy stuff. So go into that a little bit more, because I guess, are the numbers bad in Tokyo compared to what they're like here for the most part of the United States of America? Because every other seat kind of seems absurd in 2020. Yeah, no, because, like, you had to, like, look at it closely to see that they were, like, separated, because it looked like everyone, it looked like a sold-out, like, arena. Uh, maybe not in like the the rafters all the way, but, but there were people. But uh, you're definitely not six feet. Uh, <laughs> the, <laughs> uh, I don't know what the numbers are like. I don't I don't know how Japan's bearing with with the whole disease. But it, I mean, it seems to be going going well. But everyone's wearing masks. Uh, that's all I know. Interesting. But, uh, yeah, New Japan just ended uh, evil. The, oh yeah. Winner. He. Uh, he went on to face uh, Tetsuya Naito for the, the double IWGP Intercontinental Heavyweight Championship, and uh, he he joined Bullet Club. His new manager is uh, Dick Togo, legendary legendary Japanese wrestler Dick Togo, um, and uh, it caused uh, Hiromu Takahashi <laughs> to have a mental breakdown, and, and uh, he, he he was so this himself he ran through the bad guys entrance instead of the good guys i was like what room where are you going uh, <laughs> no some crazy stuff like like we said otis is thriving evil's thriving he just joined bullet club he, he's also uh, engaged to eo shirai i found that that's a, that's a fun fact interesting uh, and now he's the iwgp double champion with dick togo as his manager dick togo is his manager otis is mr money in the bank do you think otis is gonna win the whatever title he goes after, I guess the Universal title, since he's on SmackDown. Do you think he has any chance, considering the current storyline between Braun Strowman, who would kick his ass, or Bray Wyatt, who's supposed to kick his ass because he's supposed to be unstoppable? It's kind of a weird predicament. I, I still don't know why he won Money in the Bank. Why didn't AJ Styles win Money in the Bank? He's the one who grabbed it. He's the one who unclipped the briefcase. He just dropped it. <laughs> that is true. Uh... But I guess it's like it's like football. You have to have full possession. Uh, I guess so. I, you know, I, I really am. I'm very optimistic about. Hopefully, like Otis will be in the swamp, and he will, will like come out as like some monster, like covered in like some swamp grass or something, and and he just wins the universal title. Like, why can't like that shouldn't be that far fetched? Like, give me that, please. Like, I don't ask for much. All I, but I want Otis as a swamp monster winning the, the Universal Championship. <laughs> what a year it would be for Otis. Wins Money in the Bank, gets arguably one of the prettiest girls in WWE history from the women's division, and then uh, wins a world title when he was like in a very lackluster tag team all of about three months ago. You think they're like doing away with, with him and Tucker? Cause, like, I don't know. What's, what's Tucker? gonna do now like, he'll probably feud with otis if he wins the universal title <laughs> can you imagine that's the next world title scene tucker versus otis <laughs> trying out everything with that, no fans see we we argued uh, about gender being like a, the mid-card champion or like the wwe title seemed to like always be in the mid-card type deal like this is where like the universal title would be completely mid card if Otis and Tucker had a feud with Eddie Gay Styles on the same brand as the Intercontinental Champion. <laughs> I cannot see Otis main eventing over AJ. Like uh, it might happen. It just doesn't sit right with me. It might happen in the next but, few weeks. Could you imagine them having like an Otis Bray Wyatt Fiend storyline and Otis goes over? <laughs> that would, I think that would be a cool dynamic to see how like Otis's character would fare with like the Firefly Funhouse vibe, or like the like if if Bray came out in his like uh, in his sweater and whatever that deal is, like no, that would be so entertaining. 
Like, I'm all for that. Uh, I'm all for that. I don't... Otis, Universal Champion. Like, it, why not? There's no fans. Like, who... I guess that's the biggest thing. Like, there's no fans, so like we may as well throw weird things out there. Like McIntyre versus Bobby Lashley. They're like, may as well throw that out there since there's no fans. It's a small pay per view. Nobody's gonna be watching anyway. And then they had um, see that that was an interesting, interesting duo because those are two guys that those are two guys that kind of came out at the came back at the same time really, and were two guys that are like, why aren't these guys in the main event? Like, yeah, Bobby Lashley and Drew McIntyre. Like we. We want to see these guys. That's why they, because in TNA or Impact, whatever it was, then they were the top. They were the top guys. Them, EC3, and yeah, those three. <laughs> and it it was it was great. And they were just both like, like crap. Yeah. What do you think is going to happen at SummerSlam with McIntyre? He's probably going to be Ziggler at the Extreme Rules on Saturday. Definitely. Then he probably faces Orton, I think, at SummerSlam, right? That's like the next big opponent. See, I don't, I don't think uh, Randy doesn't need a title. Like he, he's but like that's like the next big like what he's doing now. that's like the next big heel, you know? Maybe Seth. Yeah, well, he already beat Seth. Yeah. Me. Kevin Owens turns heel. Kevin Owens should always be heel. He's not a bad face right now. No, he's he, like when he was uh like against Shane McMahon toward like the end of last year, that that was electric. All right, when he cut that one promo, where he's like, "You you are there are fifty guys in the back that doesn't come up that can't wrestle every week." Well, he's like, "Trust me when I tell you spotlight. when I say nobody ever wanted that." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> such a such a great promo. Uh, but maybe if KO turned heel, I mean, he's not he's not really doing anything. He's not really tied to anything. He, he beat moment. Seth Rollins and then Seth Rollins got a title shot. Wrestling, man. <laughs> Wrestling. Yeah, that's how, yeah, that's how it goes. Especially in WWE. I feel you, like, you literally don't see that anywhere else. Because no. like, wins and losses matter everywhere, everywhere else. else, basically. Yeah. Kevin Owens jumps off the WrestleMania sign into a table and then his opponent gets the world title match at the next pay-per-view. Uh, didn't they... Didn't KO just beat him again on Monday? Yes, he did. Yes, he did. <laughs> Still doesn't have a match That's at Extreme Rules, though. Yeah, and uh, Seth has to pluck Rey Mysterio's eyeball from its socket. I don't think they're going to go about that. Dude, Rey Mysterio is not even under WWE contract anymore. Is he just doing, like, like kind of one-off appearances? I guess. I guess this is it for him. I, I bet, like, Dominic turns on him or something, becomes one of Seth's disciples, and that, like, writes That'd him be, off. That would be something crazy, because, I mean, we all know Dominic Mysterio's in the performance center. He's learning. Yeah. He he took a mad bump against Brock Lesnar in the fall. He did. He did. He Gotta give him mad long, props for that. Know that. That did not get enough attention at the time. I just want to say that right now on this podcast. Just want to bring that up. He did a great job. He's in the stands, and Brock Lesnar, without even like hesitating, takes him by his neck and flips him over the barricade onto the concrete floor. Oh man! Like Brock, toward like the like this whole year that Brock, whatever he's done, it's been amazing in my opinion. Like I've loved it all. But that's the thing, kind of to I guess end this and go all the way back full circle into the Undertaker and the streak. Him ending the streak at the time was great because he beat John Cena. He beat everybody in his path. I guess his first loss after that was against Goldberg, which when you look at it that way, like, what was the point, like, three years later? But Brock Lesnar now is putting everyone over. He put Seth Rollins over twice. He put Roman over. He put Drew McIntyre over. Like, he's not really as dominant as he used to be, you know? So, like, to that point, I don't think he should have ended the streak. And at this point, Brock Lesnar is probably going to come back. Probably not until fans come back, you know. Well, when you think, like when you think about it, with Brock being that like unstoppable monster and having that streak win over, like him beating the streak, having that under his belt, and now he's putting over all these guys. Those are looking like amazing wins for those guys because of what he did before and now he's he like taker paid him a favor and now he's paying all these guys back type of deal and i think that that's how i'm looking at it and i think that's how it should be 
Look how, how it turned out for Seth, though. Two wins over Brock, now he's like an anti-Jesus. Well, he, and I don't like whatever Seth is doing right now. That whole gimmick no. and like his, like this Jesus, whole, this whole thing. And uh, the ideal makes no sense to me. But, um, but yeah, I think that was more of, we were sick of Seth. Like, yeah, like he, he was the next he, Roman. He would go on these, he, we, he would go on these tirades on Twitter and like yell at Will Ospreay and like, just like be literally like a, like the Roman of, WWE, and we had enough of it. I don't think this is really the best gimmick for him to, to bounce back on because it's kind of really the same thing every week. Um, but I don't know. I, I like the like the chicken shit heel Seth that he, when he was the world champion in like 2015, like that that was good. The blonde streak and oh, all yeah. that, like right after he turned from the turn on the shield, that, that, that was, was the best Seth. The, that's the stuff we need. Or, like, even go back to, like, his Ring of Honor days and, like, have him be just, like, this, like, pompous asshole who signs his WWE contract on the Ring of Honor championship. Like, maybe, like, that type of Seth. A heel Seth Rollins could have ended the streak. Mm, that, see, and, like, people, he's one of the, he's one of those guys that are, like, like, Seth Rollins could beat anybody. But I feel like at the same time, anyone could beat him. So, like, I don't know how that would go. Because, like, you, you could have just have Seth have this amazing win, and then he just goes and loses to whoever. Yeah. So let, let's let's end this show with this, since we kind of went into the whole last ride stuff, some of the Extreme Rules stuff that's going to be happening maybe, maybe not this weekend. Apparently Vince is smartening up, and they may have to tape the shows, like, today and tomorrow, I'm hearing. But... Who do you think The Undertaker would come back and have another match with? Even though he said that this is it and he's content, he never wants to step foot in the ring again, I, I'm still not convinced that that was it. I feel like if I were a betting man, if I had to bet my life on it, he'll be back. I mean, he even said that he probably, he's like, yeah, I mean, never say never. Who do you think he'd come back and face if it wasn't AJ Styles again in a normal wrestling match? Well, I mean, I spoke on it a little earlier, uh, Bray Wyatt, uh... Now she's Bray Wyatt because I, I mean I think he's gonna win the belt this weekend and hopefully hold it for a really long time and maybe they could uh, build something up for four or five months leading into WrestleMania next year and then just have that big cinematic clash that'll just be perfect. Yeah, I mean I think it would have to be against a young guy, right? Like if they finally were able to pull off the Undertaker Sting match in a match of like that capacity where it's kind of uh, uh, staged like that, yes, it, it's going to be a lot better than it would be if it was in a wrestling ring, but at the same time, like, what if Taker slips up and he doesn't like the finish, or vice versa? Like, is he going to come back and wrestle five more times because he didn't get the perfect ending that he wanted? See, I, and I think the Sting, the Sting idea is really good. And, yeah, uh, in like, that capacity. Those are the two match. That I think, and but with the with the, like with either match, I think you need to do it in that cinematic type of thing where you're pre-shooting it. Yeah. And, and like, sure, the maybe seventy thousand people have to stare at a a big screen for like a few minutes, but it'll be worth it. And uh, no one will get hurt, you know. Like Undertaker almost snapped his neck in half against Goldberg. Mm-hmm. And he almost broke Goldberg's neck. And if you don't like something you can retape it exactly and so it could be perfect i don't i see it so i don't think i don't think we'll be hearing too many more the oh i didn't like the match type of things from from undertaker like like we had seen throughout the documentary right i mean even in that documentary it showed that like he punched the car door window and it broke he's just like ah shit he started bleeding they had to stop and they had to retape it Mm mm-hmm so, like, if he ever screws up, it's like, yep, let's redo it. Unless he breaks his neck, then really can't do anything about that. <laughs> oh, green screen it. At, at some point, they're probably going to green screen the shit out of Undertaker, like CGI, like bring back the dead man from 2010. Oh, my God. <laughs> Maybe that'll be the new, like, cinematic thing. Just CGI, like, legends from way back in the day. So we finally have those dream matches. Yeah. CM Punk, you don't want to come back? Well, just CGI you. (laughs) You don't have to. It's okay. We're bringing you back anyways. See, now we're we're getting, like, way too far out of there now. We got to 
we got to stick with what we can actually do. That That's the one match I think that we're probably never going to see at this point is Undertaker versus Sting, but that would be like the last match I'd want to see. See, and you're hearing like all these rumors, uh, even in the past couple months, of like what's going on with Sting. Is he coming back? Is something happening with Sting? Well, that's because like everybody's on TRT now, and everybody's getting into the best shape of their lives because they have nothing better to do. Like Mike Tyson's in the best shape of his life, but he's not going to do anything with it. Um, he's going to wrestle Chris Jericho. Yeah, Jericho versus Tyson at uh, All Out, I guess. That sucks. How yeah, yeah, there's yeah. going to be no fans there, though. That would have been a cool show for you guys to go to. Oh yeah, I'm I'm always gonna go to those shows up in Chicago. Like those are those are my favorite events every single year. Um, and we would have definitely gone again if if the circumstances would have been different. But hopefully next year we can get right back to it. Um, but uh, I mean, all out will it'll be a great show anyway, obviously. And Mike Tyson versus Chris Jericho, that's just one of those matches that'll, like, go down in history. Like, you, you, you see all those, like, old-time WWE, uh, when they first, like, got onto TV, bringing all these celebrities in. This this is AEW's. This is going to be their, like, history-making celebrity match. Mike Tyson, Chris Jericho. Hey, it's, like, ten years in the making. He knocked him out on Raw. It is. Who knew, like... All, like throughout the uh, like a WWE storyline would play out in the AEW ring. Hey, Tyson versus Taker. Oh man, that would be. I mean, I would be down for that. Honestly, um, but that would be that would be something if they could make that happen. I, I seriously don't know who else he'd end his career against if if he comes back. I think this this was like the perfect send off for him with the motorcycle and everything against arguably the greatest wrestler today in AJ Styles. Doesn't get any better to me. I don't know. I I, I really hope that he's satisfied with this it was one. Perfect. Like I really really hope he, he he comes to WrestleMania 37 and it's just like yeah like I have no desire to be in the ring because if he if he has a, a desire to step into the wrestling ring again, we could see him wrestle like ten more times until he's sixty. That's, I mean, what is he in, like, mid-50s at this point? He's, like, 55. You never seen that in WWE. I mean, I'm sure he'll be back next year. I, it's just, it would just feel so weird not to have him there and just not to, like, know that he would never come back. Because he never yeah. said, like, oh, I'm retired, you know? Yeah. That's the way they kind of took it, though. Like, like the news situated. Mm-hmm. The news hit, and it was just like, yeah, Undertaker retires in the fifth part of the documentary. But at the same time, he was just like, yeah, I mean, I have no desire to step in the ring again. That's all he said. He said that three years ago. It's something we have to we have to just wait and see for, you know. Just like it's all the same with, you know, if, will CM Punk ever come back? Will Triple will H Undertaker? ever come back? See, I think that's the most, like, that's for sure out of all of them. Because he's he's got his finger on the on everything. Like uh, I, I'd love to see Triple H in like NXT and do something with those guys. Because like those that's his baby, and to like have him be in there with those guys would be that would just be next level. Because I think it would be really good. Like put him in the ring with Gargano, or like I don't think like a, a match with like Keith Lee would be too good because. Triple H doesn't want to be taking all those bumps. He's usually the big guy, you know. He probably can at his age either. Yeah, someone, someone smaller like a like him or like a Adam Cole, or even like a Roderick Strong. Like those would be great matches. You know, I think that's the most definite out of, out of the three. I mean, I think if he, I mean, I think he will come back. He's not retired at all, but he just hasn't wrestled since there really hasn't been an opportune time to. Like he could, like he's well, yeah, probably going to come back and wrestle those NXT guys, like you mentioned, the Champas, the Garganos of the world, the Adam Coles. I'd love to, I'd love to yeah. see him just because we're talking about him. I'd love to see him in the room with AJ Styles. Mm-hmm. I'm surprised that hasn't happened yet. Honestly, I predicted that for WrestleMania 36, but yeah, it hasn't happened yet. Yeah, they haven't even crossed paths. I don't even think they've been on TV well, together. They could. I mean, they could have done it this year, but um, I mean, this is the first year Triple H didn't do anything at Mania and. <laughs> I don't know. Years and years. Yeah. Has to be. I think maybe twenty three because he was he was uh, 
he was out with like the quad tear or something. I don't know. Or like his shoulder. Whatever. Right. I don't know. He came back at like SummerSlam that year. Yeah, no, Triple H definitely. That that's I, probably my I, favorite Undertaker match of all time. Taker versus Triple H at Hell in a Cell or in Hell in a Cell at WrestleMania. Mm-hmm. That's like the greatest I mean, match, storyline telling, and just in-ring performance I've ever seen. I mean, the streak—it it hadn't been over. Like we said, like ten times already. Like the super kick to the pedigree—that was, that was a three. I won't hear otherwise. What was your favorite match for the Undertaker? Um, I would probably say against Batista. Really? Twenty-three. That, see, that was my first, uh, that was the first Mania I ever watched live, and Batista was my guy back then. Yeah. And, and uh, that, I just, that was a great match, and, like, they had just, that was, like, three years after they had started, like, acknowledging the streak, and, like, Batista was, like, unstoppable. I didn't know what was going to go down. That, that was a great match, and very underrated in all of the, like, in the grand scheme of, the 26 matches Takers wrestled at Mania. So yeah, either that or uh, the Edge one the next year. The Edge one I thought was awesome. I thought mm-hmm. even that, like, that was going to be the... Wasn't Edge approached saying, like, you're going to be the yeah. one down the streak? And he's like, no, yeah, I'm not I mean, doing that. See, I... What, what if, like, what would your response be to someone, like, if, if Vince McMahon came up to you and, like, hey, you're beating the streak? Dude, I don't. Be like, All right. I would be overwhelmed, but I would be like, okay, like if that's what you like, want. I would talk to Taker first. I'd be like, hey, is this okay? Did, did Vince <laughs> run this by you yet? Um, no. <laughs> I'd say one of those two, just because, like, like as a as a kid, those were my like Taker on SmackDown with those guys. Were that was that was just my favorite thing because. Because, you see, when I was a kid, Raw came on at 9 p.m. I, yeah. I was asleep before then. <laughs> but SmackDown came on at 8, so I, I got to catch that. That's so, pretty funny. Did you, did yeah, you, no, did SmackDown you, was, was my deal. Did you catch the rib? And I guess we'll end on this, though. But did you catch the rib at the end when Undertaker tried to rib AJ Styles? And it was like, yeah, I want to put over some kid from Tennessee at WrestleMania. <laughs> like, what kid from yeah. Tennessee? <laughs> Maybe Carl, maybe Carl Anderson or, or uh, Dog Gallows is from there. <laughs> Put them over. He's Which, like, that's crazy that they got fired right after they were part of that match. A part of the WrestleMania main event, essentially. Yeah, I mean, and basically it was the main event if you're if you're thinking about it. it was the end of that show, first night. Yeah. Anyway. I mean, when you look back at it, I guess Lesnar and McIntyre main evented, but it was two WrestleManias, two nights. Taker versus Styles, Taker's send-off. That's a perfect way to end it. Technically, technically it was Drew versus The Big Show. I don't want to talk about I don't want to talk about that. That'll do it here for episode 220 <laughs> of the podcast presented by Believe Podcast Network, the number one sports podcast network based in the city of Los Angeles. We believe in our teams. Do you believe? Hit it, Hootie. listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube